Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to History of College Football Podcast. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we are lucky to have a very special guest, Coach Kevin McDonough, assistant coach at Cornell University and host of the Twitter site, Old Football Film. You can follow him on Twitter at Film Historic. That's at F-I-L-M-H-I-S-T-O-R-C. Today, Coach McDonough and I will discuss the college football history of the Cornell Big Red. First of all, it's an indeed an honor to have you on my podcast. Tell me, Coach McDonough, about your job as an assistant coach at Cornell. Jay, appreciate you having me. Um, so I'm, I'm our tight ends coach and assistant special teams coordinator. Um, been in that role since 2019, started in 2018 as a defensive intern here, um, working with Coach Backus in the defense and kind of was able to move into a different role and, and work with a bunch of different guys and, and really kind of getting uh, more involved in, in Big Red football and help coach up some of these guys. Fantastic. Fascinating. Tell me about your phenomenal Twitter site, Old Football Film. Man, it is absolutely mesmerizing, Coach. Appreciate it. Um, started out during uh, the quarantine during COVID. Um, had always been kind of a football uh, film junkie and also a big fan of kind of the history of sports and just history in general. Um, had found some old YouTube clips of some single wing stuff. Um, some other old concepts, things I was just kind of watching on, on YouTube and always wanted a way to get back to them. So I, I started this Twitter account to really just kind of make a library for myself um, so I could always go back and now I'll have a clip and I could, I could, hey, I was looking for this and use a key search and actually ended up uh, looking at my phone one day and realized, oh, a lot of, oh, shoot, a lot of people started following this. Maybe other people are interested in it. Um, so it ended up becoming more of, uh, some other stuff as well, techniques, really anything related to coaching and scheme um, or some uh, philosophy and motivational stuff that, that I thought was interesting and thought other people might too uh, find interesting as well. Well, man, you hit it right on the nose. I mean, your site is so unique, so engaging. My podcast, I guess, as you know, is dedicated to discussing the history of college football. And back on episode 15, we discussed the top 10 reasons to love the storied history of the Ivy League football. What I want to do is turn to Cornell and discuss their football history and what they're doing presently. So let's start with the coaches. In an anecdotal argument, what measuring sticks would you use to compare coaching greats from the different eras? Uh, it really comes down to coaching. It, it always comes down to how you're interacting with people. You know, are, are you people coming to you and, and leaving better than, than uh, they came and really reaching their peak potential? Um, but then also, kind of in this regard of some of the stuff um, you've talked about on your podcast, stuff I've been showing on, on Twitter, really impact to the game. So you got guys like uh, Pop Warner, uh, George Seifert, Henry Shokoff, Gil Doby. There's a bunch of great guys in Cornell football history that have had a huge impact on the game, obviously with, with Pop Warner being one of the bigger ones. 
Yeah, they have like a who's who, don't they, of, of coaches. A hard question here. Historically, who would you consider Cornell's greatest coach? Tough question there. Um, I'd have to say Dave Archer, our current head coach, my, my current boss, awesome to work with. But it's really hard to compare guys throughout history. The game's changed so much. Teaching has changed a lot. Um, it's really, it's almost not the same game when you look at it in the past. But you got, like I've mentioned, Pop Warner. I mean, every youth league in the country is named after the guy who helped invent the forward pass, single wing, double wing, um, invented blocking techniques as we know him today. Um, uh, Henry Shokoff, uh, after he graduated law school, coached for two years, lost two games, tied one, um, won, I believe, 14. Uh, so great record, ended up going to become a lawyer, got out of football. Uh, Gil Doby had three undefeated seasons in the year before that, uh, lost two games, as well as went on to be a college football Hall of Fame coach. George Seifert won a Super Bowl. And then you, you can get into the modern ones as far as uh, Coach Ken Austin, obviously aggressive passing attack, um, Coach Jim Knowles. Uh, there's really just too many, too many guys to name. And you really just got to appreciate them for what they are and the impact that they've had on our student athletes and the game. And that is an outstanding rundown, outstanding insight. Thank you so much. Let, let's turn to the big red teams. In an anecdotal argument, what measuring sticks would you use to compare the greatest teams from different eras? It varies and it's, it's a constantly evolving thing. And we're actually in a unique time. I think football wise, where even you got a Nick Saban talking about there's, there's clips going around now and him talking about the transition from 21 personnel pro sets, and we're going to run the ball and play great defense. So all of a sudden I'm going to hire coach Kiffin and we're going to embrace fastball spread offense. So it, we're really witnessing that change and uh, especially kind of, uh, in the league that we're in, in the Ivy League, with all the history of it, obviously with Princeton playing in the first game and, and the older teams, uh, you know, Harvard set in the field dimensions because they concreted their, their stands. Um, it's really hard to compare them and you just got to kind of appreciate it and, and what they've done in through different eras and, and the uniqueness of each team. What a great answer. In your estimation, uh, what were the golden years for Cornell football, the best years for Cornell football? That's a tough one. I mean, you got the, the early 1920s. So from 1920, so the 20 season, they went eight and two. Mm. Um, ended up going undefeated for three years after that, winning three national titles. Um, so really great stretch there. Um, you know, almost up there with the Oklahoma stretch and the Toledo stretch of consecutive wins. Um, you got look at the early 90s. We had some great defenses at Cornell, won some Ivy championships um, in 88 and 90. And then you look in the, in the 2000s era with Jeff Matthews, you know, crushing records week after week in the passing game. Um, just really back to that original question you got to, or the previous question, you need to really just appreciate uh, each team and for what, who they are and what they've done. What an acute understanding you have of the game. Let, let's actually talk about some of the big red games themselves. If you had to pick two or three of the best Cornell football games that you've ever been involved in as a coach, Talk to me about it. So I got two off the top of my mind. Uh, yes, coach. In 2019, we went up to Hanover in week nine, a cold day up in New Hampshire. Uh, Dartmouth had, was having an awesome season, ended up being co-champs of the league that year uh, in 19. Um, and they were number 12 in the country, had just beaten Princeton and Yankee Stadium in the celebration of 150 years of football. And we were able to get a win against them with a late uh, – change and scores and score late and then get a pick to seal the win. Uh, but it was the first win 
against a ranked Ivy opponent since 1950 for the Big Red. So they, they made a point in, in the press release. So the last time they did that was we were, we were coming home on a, on a railroad. So that, <laughs> that was really cool to be a part of that history. And it was awesome to see the guys celebrate and enjoy it. And then in 2018, um, had a really uh, hard fought game against Harvard. Um, you know, we were able to, they were trying to drive, they were driving at the end of the game, we were able to hold them. But uh, really hard fought game. They were running the ball really well, running a lot of counter scheme. And we were able to change the game a little bit and block a punt. Really appreciate the detail in that answer. If you had to pick two or three of the best Cornell football games in the storied history of Cornell, what would you, what would you, what would you, what would you pick? So my personal favorite, and just because there's a great aerial shot of it, I, I like seeing yes, uh, of Shokoff Field, which is our current field. It's fourth oldest stadium in FCS. Um, they've got the old bleachers set up in all the end zones. We had Michigan at home, uh, and we set the attendance record of just over 35,000. I think it was 35.5, um, and ended up beating Michigan that day. Uh, really just a, a, it's, it's cool to kind of have that piece of history, that artifact you can kind of look at and see. And it's luckily like right outside my window of my office. So it's cool to kind of picture how that was. And then the other one that sticks out to me is uh, it's actually one of the reasons I made the Twitter account it was one of the first older videos I had watched was uh, 1915 uh, versus UPenn. So 1915 uh, last game of the year was a Thanksgiving game rivalry at the time was always played at Franklin field. Um, we're competing to finish the season undefeated uh, claiming first national title. And we uh, it's, it's a, I think a 20 minute YouTube video of field level shots, almost like the highlights you see it nowadays. And they had a shot, a, a touchdown, the bear. And I'm, I'm not sure the name is passing me of UPenn's mascot uh, was, was a dog at the time on the field, right next to the, the bear cub. Uh, touchdown so that was really cool and then and then watching I mean the the, sink, the the forward pass was less than 10 years old at that point and watching that was like eye-opening really cool um, I'm not sure aside from finishing an undefeated season and winning a national title I guess it is important for that but it's really <laughs> significant to watch a, a, a live game that's over 100 years old oh and man I see what you're, game. yes I see where you're coming from what a great answer let's talk about you for a moment while coaching what was the most memorable player plays that you've actually witnessed, you know, on the field? Um, back to that Harvard game, that blocked punt. It was memorable because um, I'd heard a coach. I did an internship with the Jets. Uh, coach Dunbar was working with the D-line at the time. I remember hearing him talk to one of the D-line guys. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It was a rookie. And he said, I always need to put a, a play to a face, you know, instead of a name to a face. And that's always kind of stuck. And now, like, you think of a certain guy and you can think of a play. I think of uh, we had a linebacker, Justin Bedard, coming through, blocking that punt and scooping and scoring. Um, so really just memorable, like, etched in my mind. I'll, I'll never forget that. And it really the, – the mood changed. Like, man, we're struggling with this run. And then all of a sudden it's like, we got a shot here. We, we can win this game. Uh, you know, we're definitely – we got a real good shot. And then uh, not so much a play but more a drive. In 19, we were in an offensive shootout with Brown. Uh, they've got an outstanding quarterback this upcoming year. Uh, and EJ Perry, he's, he's, he's outstanding. And he, he was driving up and down the field. Um, on fourth down, they, they went to run it. We had a safety, was able to sack, sack him. 
and we ended up being able to drive down the field, had a, a huge catch by uh, a junior wide receiver at the time, then followed by a, a big catch by a senior tight end, another big catch by the same receiver, and we're able to get in field goal range and, and just get it in there to get the win as the game expired. So that was that was really that that whole sink, sink, uh, sequence uh, runs through my mind there as, as a really memorable like I'll, I'll never forget that feeling in that moment. Oh, awesome! I can actually see it as you describe it. How about the most memorable play or plays in the storied history of Cornell? So there's there's a lot, and that's what with all the Ivy League, obviously with the history. So the two that really a lot of people bring up. And that, that I've seen now, too, there's audio footage of the, or video footage of these uh, on YouTube are the fifth down game in 1940 versus Dartmouth. Yes. Um, yes originally, we and I believe you guys did a podcast on that in earlier in yes. the year. I don't remember the exact date or number. Yes, coach. 15. Episode um, 15. Yes, sir. But, you know, really kind of epitomized what Ivy League athletics are, the sportsmanship of it, you know, won the game and then. Uh, relinquished the win um, just in the sportsmanship of it. it wasn't a true win at the point, you know, uh, good sportsmanship there. And then in 1971 uh, with when Ed now made history, you know, outstanding season sets an NCAA rushing record um, was really big. And they've got that with the radio calls and that's always fun to watch. Um, really, really cool stuff and fun stuff to watch with big Ed running the ball. Awesome, awesome response. So, so I went to school at the University of New Hampshire. We'd go down to Dartmouth games because it was close by. Mm. How deep do the emotions run between Ivy League schools? So as you're saying, they're great game day atmosphere. And there's, as I've, I've been saying, there's a lot of history here in the Ivy Leagues between these teams, you know, over a hundred years of rivalries um, with most of the teams dating prior to the forward pass. So it's almost like uh it's been described by Coach Archer and guys on staff when I was first coming here, and it really kind of hit the nail on the head, is almost seven bowl games. You know, you, ha you almost have a trophy game or a rivalry game, it feels like, with every team, and you know them so well because you've been playing them for so long. And, and usually a lot of our student athletes are, are kind of all looking at the same type of school, so they all have an idea and know each other, um, and there's a lot of connections there through that. But there, there's a ton of respect, too, with that history of understanding, you know, um, everything involved in it. it it's, it's a really, really great game day atmosphere. Uh, everybody should come check out an Ivy League game if they, if they get the chance just to see the history and, and football, high-level football, and embrace that, that football history. That quote you have, it's almost like seven bowl games. That's one of the best quotes, if not the best, that I've had on my podcast. That is so perfect. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate you. In your opinion, if you had a comment on the best Cornell player in the storied history of Cornell, what would you say? That's a tough one. Um, yes, coach. Similar to those previous questions uh, about kind of just appreciating them. You know, uh, you can go really recent. J.C. Treader, New York State guy, came in, actually camped here as a quarterback, tried out a tight end, became a tackle, with dominant tackle, and now um, not only – an all pro caliber center for the Browns, but NFLPA president. So using his ILR degree, um, Jeff Matthews, obviously crushing passing records. Um, I mean, shoots really fun film to watch. Even now it's been, it's been a few years and our quarterbacks still like watching how he was out slinging it and his decision-making. There are guys like Luke Hagee, 
um, shifty running back who can catch it in the flat and, and make something happen. A guy like Kevin Booth, who, uh, you know, was able to come here and end up becoming getting drafted and going winning Super Bowls. Uh, Seth Payne, another New York State guy who ended up uh, being a dominant defensive lineman, not only in the Ivy, but then also uh, going and playing at the next level. Coach Knowles, I've, I've seen some clips, very limited of him, him flying around playing some defense. Uh, Luke Tasker, uh, who's great receiver and great special teams guy, just like his dad. And then obviously the big one everyone thinks of, Heisman runner-up, Walter Camp winner, Ed Marinero. You know, 44, we walk past it every day in the office. Uh, it's, it's funny, actually, that 44 is a retired number and we're, we're not far from Syracuse. It's must be something <laughs> a number in, the, in central New York. What a, what a great rundown. Thank you. Now, on these podcasts, I like to have a little bit of fun. Hopefully, you're game for a couple of fun questions. And uh, we just delve into college football history. It's almost like a chat you'd have with a friend. So we'll just go for the rundown. If, if your game, is that okay, coach? Absolutely. Favorite player in college football history? A lot of good ones. I, I really liked watching in the early or late 2000s, watching Nevada when they were running pistol. Oh, yeah. Alan Kaepernick, when he was out there, was a blast to watch. Same thing with Tebow. I was really into those QB running, running quarterbacks at the time. Josh Nesbitt at Georgia Tech. Um, and you guys like that, Cam Newton, watching him. So those, those guys always kind of stuck out to me. And then uh, that USC linebacker core, I believe, in 2008, when they had Clay Matthews, Ray Maluga, and shoot. And when they had Brian Cushing. Excellent. Most memorable play in college football history? Probably the hook and ladder at Boise at Oklahoma. That, that one sticks out. <laughs> Big fan of trick plays. So, you know, it's fun to see him work. <laughs> I have a running argument with my son, Dig, for the greatest game. And he says it's Vince Young's Rose Bowl game. And I said it's that Boise State Oklahoma one. I, I hear you, coach. I really do. Greatest season in college football history? This might be a recency bias. Uh, I am really big on the 2019 LSU. Maybe it's because I've been watching a lot of that film lately. Um, but I just can't think of a point during that year where I was sitting there watching. I was like, this team has a shot at losing. You could probably make an argument for some, some of the Oklahoma teams of the past and Miami in the past as well. Biggest upset in college football history. Cornell over Dartmouth 2019. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> Howard over UNLV. Uh, watching Cam Newton uh -huh. play. Uh, Brennan Marion and those guys down at Howard uh, did an outstanding job uh, having a game plan, being able to score points. Coach, you've been a phenomenal guest. I want to thank you. Coach Kevin McDonough, assistant coach at Cornell University and host of the Twitter site, Old Football Film. You can follow him on Twitter at Film Historic. That's at F-I-L-M-H-I-S-T-O-R-I-C. Follow this man. He has a Twitter site unlike no other. Thank you for listening to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.